Welcome to Ed Council Insights. This is our podcast to provide insights into new legal developments in the Missouri education community. If you are a Missouri school leader, school board member, or any public educational decision maker in Missouri, well, you are in the right place. Today, we're going to be talking about censuring individual board members. This is a topic that has come up a number of times over the past few years for Missouri school boards. And frankly, it has been a topic of a number of inquiries lately from board presidents here at Ed Council. So it's something that is certainly a timely topic. The issue tends to come up uh, in the context of dealing with individual board member misconduct. If you scan the media, you'll see a number of instances over the past few years in which a Missouri school board has censured one of its members for alleged misconduct. It may range from a board member leaking confidential closed session information to publicly criticizing the actions of the majority of the board to making public comments that are discriminatory in nature. The action to be taken by the board is formally officially censuring the board member. And uh, that's one of the few actions that can be taken by a board with respect to an individual board member. The board member can't be removed by law or disqualified by the board. So there's a limited set of tools that can be brought into play to deal with a board member who is uh, not following the rules, let's say. When we talk about censure, there's a little bit of confusion about that. And uh, that's probably in part because the term isn't well-defined in Missouri school law, and it's not generally included in board policies in Missouri. But basically what we're talking about is a a formal board action to admonish an individual board member for certain behaviors, to call them out for their conduct. Typically, it has no teeth to it. There's no adverse material consequences from the censure. Occasionally, you will see the board member as part of the censure will be removed from maybe a committee assignment or something of the like, but normally the censure is limited to just simply a public statement from the Board of Education condemning the bad behavior of the individual board member. So why are we talking about this issue at this juncture? Well, uh, basically, there are a couple of things that make this a timely issue for discussion. First, uh, for a variety of factors, we're seeing more and more division among boards of education. Uh, More and more often, board members that are in the minority uh, are becoming publicly vocal in opposing the actions of the majority of the board. And then secondly, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court recently accepted a First Amendment case out of Texas that was brought by a board member claiming that his free speech rights were violated when his board censured him. So we've got a lot to talk about here. This is an issue that boards may very well have to navigate this fall. As they do so, boards and board leadership need to be aware that this case that's pending before the U.S. Supreme Court and they need to know the risks that they need to consider as a part of any decision to address uh, individual board member misconduct. Board leadership should also have a plan for dealing with potential censures while we're waiting for the U.S. Supreme Court to give us additional guidance as to how the boards can respond to misbehavior of individual board members without violating their First Amendment rights. 
probably the best place to start is with a discussion of the Texas case that is pending before the U.S. Supreme Court so that you can kind of get a better sense of, of the issues that come into play. This case, it's styled Houston Community College System versus Wilson, is about one board member's feud against the rest of the board of a local community college and its decision to censure him three years ago. The dispute stems from uh, dis uh, just a decade-long feud between this individual board member named David Wilson and the board of trustees of the Houston Community College. Wilson served on the board for five years from 2013 to 2018. Prior to running for the board, Wilson had been a controversial figure in the local politics. He was known in Houston for his anti-gay activism against elected officials. In one instance, he organized robocalls that urged voters to reject a justice of the peace candidate because the candidate was gay. In another, he distributed flyers that denounced the mayor because her sexual orientation would, in Wilson's opinion, lead to human extinction. Uh, so uh, that's kind of the background on this particular individual board member. But in 2013, he won election to the Board of Trustees. And this is a, a community college case, but the same analysis would apply for school boards in Missouri. Um, and there are a lot of commonalities here with how this would work, in particular with respect to how uh, a board can censure one of its members. Wilson was elected, as I said, in 2013, and his relationship with the other trustees was difficult from the very start. Um, he filed multiple lawsuits against the college, helped others file additional lawsuits. He was accused of leaking confidential information from closed sessions, uh, violating the college's anti-discrimination policy, and just a whole laundry list of controversies. And now from Wilson's point of view, he argued that his actions were justified. He, he claimed that he was simply standing up to corruption and mismanagement by the rest of the trustees. He pointed out genuine concerns of self-dealing by other trustees, and one of the other trustees was actually imprisoned for some wrongful conduct along those lines. So um, there's that, and then his litigation against the board had actually racked up hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fees on what the board or the rest of the board and the other local officials thought was – they were frivolous lawsuits. So finally in 2018, the other trustees as a board action formally voted to publicly censure Wilson. The board cited concerns about accreditation because their accreditation organization had raised some of issues with Wilson's conduct, and they also cited a lack of respect for the board's collective decision-making process and stated that it undermined the board uh, in its efforts to govern the college. Notably, Texas law does not allow board uh, to remove or disqualify its elected members much like Missouri school boards. Um, so the worst that they really could have done is censure or reprimand him again following the censure that they gave him. Now, as part of the censure, the board imposed three restrictions on Wilson. He could not serve as an officer for the next year. He couldn't be reimbursed for board-related travel expenses, and he could not receive permission to spend board funds. 
those are not typically things that we see in our Missouri school boards anyway, but those things were privileges, if you will, that were taken away as a part of the censure. So Wilson responds to the censure by once again suing the board, <laughs> and this time he claimed that his First Amendment free speech rights were being violated by the censure. So a U.S. Uh, district court in Texas sided with the college and dismissed Wilson's free speech claims, and what they said was that you know, as federal courts across the country have looked at this, uh, they've ruled that a legislature's decision to censure one of its own members simply doesn't violate the First Amendment. But when it was taken up on appeal, the Federal Court of Appeals panel that reviewed the matter disagreed, and they reinstated Wilson's free speech claims. The panel quoted a number of other decisions, um, and what they said – for example, they said that the Supreme Court has long stressed the importance of allowing elected officials to speak on matters of public concern. We have echoed these, this principle in our decisions emphasizing that the role that elected officials play in our society makes it all the more imperative that they be allowed freely to express themselves on matters of current public importance. As a result, this court has held that censures of publicly elected officials can be a cognizable injury under the First Amendment, basically recognizing that by censuring one of the board members, it may be – uh, considered a viable claim of First Amendment retaliation. Interestingly enough, that the three-judge panel that looked at it for the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals said that it found no First Amendment violation for the restrictions that had been imposed on Wilson, the part about not being able to be elected an officer or reimbursed for travel expenses, etc., because they're not guaranteed by law. They simply hung their hat on one thing and that one thing only, and that was the public reprimand that the board had engaged in by censoring him. So it was just the public reprimand itself that was the retaliation under the First Amendment as the claim was recognized. So in other words, the, the panel concluded that the college was free to impose a range of sanctions on Wilson for his behavior, but it couldn't formally criticize Wilson. For what he had said. This is kind of an unusual take on censure, um, and it's something that the Supreme Court's going to have to sort through a little bit. If you look at our history, all sorts of American legislative bodies from Congress down to local governmental bodies throughout the country, including Missouri school boards, they maintain the power to censure their members. So in the Texas case, the board asked the U.S. Supreme Court to take up the issue of censoring board members and board member free speech rights. Wilson, as you can imagine, has urged the justices to leave the Court of Appeals ruling intact, and he's cast himself as a political minority um, who had been mistreated by the majority of the board and said that the other trustees could have criticized him in other capacities. Um, but here's what his argument is. What the majority may not do, however, is adopt an official resolution purporting to speak for the government itself that censures members of the minority simply for expressing minority views. So with that argument, the Supreme Court has decided to take the case. They're going to hear arguments this fall, and we'll have a decision sometime in the next year. 
But uh, all of this does have implications for our Missouri school boards and how we handle misconduct by individual board members. As I said, the case is being argued uh, this fall, and we'll have to wait and see what the Supreme Court does. But there are a few takeaways that boards should be thinking about in the meantime. First, an individual board member can't be retaliated against for exercising their free speech rights, but there are limitations to those rights. So as we look at it, there are some things that can be done uh, when somebody uh, who is on a board speaks out about a matter of public concern, but there are some limits there under the First Amendment. In thinking about this, boards are going to have to be careful. If they're going to take formal action as a board against a board member for speaking out about, about a something that is a, arguably a matter of public concern. Second thing, in considering options for addressing board member misconduct, boards are simply – they're going to have to be careful to consider the risks and rewards of a censure. And let me explain what I mean by that. Censure, when it really comes down to it, is of limited value. All we're doing really is, is the board is making a formal public statement that they are in effect condemning the individual board member's conduct. As I said, it's basically a public acknowledgement as a governmental entity that the board member has engaged in wrongdoing. Other than the public statement, there really isn't any teeth to it, and so it brings into question about what is the real value of going through the exercise of formally censuring someone um, when you could probably accomplish the same thing by simply having a discussion at a board meeting without the formal action and explaining that the rest of the board as individual board members don't agree with the individual board member that's engaged in the misconduct. When you look at it from that angle, the board's going to really have to kind of look at it and say, well, is this really worth the effort given the political and legal risk of formally acting as a board and censoring the board member? The third thing that we need to do is really explore other options to consider to address the individual board member misconduct. So if we're uh, assuming that uh, the board leadership has already attempted to address the issue with the board member through some sort of uh, progressive discipline, if you will, um, and the individual board member still has not corrected course, well, then we need to consider something else, and that may be something along the lines of a formal board action. But what I would prefer that the board do is consider possibly having a discussion in an open public meeting about how the other six members uh, disagree with the conduct of the individual board member in question. It, it is important to remember that all board members have First Amendment rights. That means the other six have the right to speak out also. And so if they are acting as individuals, they can, in, in fact, call into question and call out, if you will, that individual board member that's violated the board policies or the standards of conduct. That is something that is really not something that uh, the individual board member should be able to make a First Amendment claim about because then you're pitting the rights of one individual board member under the First Amendment with the against the rights of the other individual board member, and they both have rights. So they each have the opportunity to express themselves freely. The difference with the censure is that the board as a whole is taking a formal action as a governmental entity. And that's what I think maybe that boards need to kind of step back and consider, 
given the limited value, if you will, of a censure, because there aren't any teeth to it, you might as well just have the discussion in a public meeting, call out the issue, and you've more or less accomplished uh, pretty much the same thing you're going to accomplish by going through the exercise of censuring. And by doing that, you've mitigated a lot of the risk under the First Amendment that might be raised by this particular case, regardless of what the U.S. Supreme Court decides about it. So one thing in that regard that I would say, and this is just based on bitter experience, I guess is probably the best way to, to frame it, but um, I would caution you to consider how this impact that might impact the board's ability to work together in the future and how uh, relationships among board members uh, may simply just devolve from this point. And so if other board members are engaging in the public criticism of an individual board member, at some point it calls for, you know, the public's going to begin to question of what's really going on over there and how's this really working and, uh, are, you know, is one individual board member or those board members any better than the individual board member that they're criticizing for violating the rules. So in some, I'd say that uh, you can accomplish pretty much the same thing by publicly, publicly calling out a board member and calling them to account for their actions without going through the formal process of board action, and that mitigates a lot of the risk under the First Amendment that might be posed under this Texas decision. So there you have it. Censure of board members and free speech as of today. Uh, We'll be watching the Texas case uh, as the U.S. Supreme Court adjudicates it, and as always, we will keep you up to date with our insights about what their decision means to our Missouri public schools. Thank you, listeners, for taking the time today to listen to this edition of Ed Council Insights. We hope you'll follow and share our podcast on social media and subscribe to hear upcoming episodes on current legal topics and issues related to school law. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn, or you can just check us out on our website. Just Google Ed Council, E-D-C-O-U-N-S-E-L, all one word, and you'll find us there. Glad we could be together today, and thanks for listening to this edition of Ed Council Insights.